Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. I'm Millette Jones, and every weekday I chat with today's most successful coaches, and we learn their secrets to building a thriving coaching business. Are you ready to be unstoppable? Let's go. Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast, where inspiration and action come together. Today, I'm speaking with Ian Farah. He's a social evangelist. He's founded a sales and marketing agency far north. He's the host of the UK's number one diverse business podcast, IndustryAngel.com. Last year, Ian was nominated for a European Influencer Award alongside Gary Vaynerchuk and Tim Ferriss, and he often speaks about his burnout experience that landed him in hospital and saw him fire himself from corporate life in 2015. Ian, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm thrilled to be here, Millet, and thanks for the opportunity to speak to the Unstoppable Nation. Now, before we jump into more about your business, I would love it if you would tell us a little bit about your background, maybe some of the things you like to do when you're not working. Oh, right. Okay. That's a good one. Um, So I'm really into sport and trying to keep myself fit, which is hard at 42 with two kids, but I do a lot of running and cycling and swimming and mainly it's to keep myself sane. So I do a lot of thinking. I do a lot of content writing, such as blogs um, when I run. So I come back from after 30 minutes and then suddenly hit the keyboard and I'm rattling away with, with a blog article. So <laughs> so outside of the business, yeah, I do, I do a lot of outdoor activities. You know, everybody loves to be inspired by people's journey. So I want to focus first on your business journey. How long has coaching been an aspect of your business and what really led you to start coaching in the first place? Well, Millette, I could talk about this for, for, for a long time. So I've been in the coaching world since 2015. And in your um, introduction, you mentioned that I fired myself from the corporate world. So I guess coaching wasn't really something that I set out to do. It was sort of thrust upon me um, the day I fired myself from business, which was due, as you said in the introduction, to severe burnout. So... I kind of learned some valuable lessons after that and uh, I took a little bit of time out and I thought, what's my calling? What do I really want to do? What do I really enjoy? And coaching was something that I really wanted to get into. So were you doing any coaching in your corporate career or was this a complete shift? Well, I, I kind of skirted over quite a bit. That was a bit of a potted history, but yeah. So basically I was the <laughs> commercial director for a software company. So within that, I was coaching employees. I was um, heavily into leadership and culture. Um, but as part of the sales work that I did, I was visiting engineering and tech companies, um, sort of day in, day out, selling them software. And what I found was within that, within that sales role, I was quite, I was uncovering a lot of opportunity there. So I was trying to sell them software, but then after asking a lot of questions about their business, I quickly found out that commercially they were, they were lacking. Um, there was no sort of sales strategy, no business plans, no social media, um, plans. So I kind of had this minimal viable product already built really in, in my software sales role. So it was quite easy to turn the handle over and say, right, I'm going to go into sales, uh, coaching, sorry, because I'd been sort of uncovering that for, for years beforehand. So when you were actually in your corporate position, you started to see a need in the marketplace. 
Talk a little bit about when you experienced this this burnout, how did you get from, you know, I don't really want to be doing this to I'm going to open up a business and help people in this little niche that I found? Yeah, it's probably ta- it's probably best that I talk about the burnout. So in sales, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners will know it, it's, it can be quite a tough a tough gig. So you put yourself under a lot of pressure. You're incentivized by commissions and bonuses. And I was the type of guy who had the money spent before I'd earned it. So, you know, talking about putting a new conservatory on your house or new mm-hmm. decking or going on vacation with the family. So I was putting myself under a lot of pressure to, to hit these targets. And unfortunately, I, 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 I had quite severe burnout two or three times, collapsing, a lot of anxiety. Um, I had a big mortgage to cover and I just felt that from a family point of view, I needed to sort of, you know, bring, bring, bring home the bacon really. And I just put myself under too much pressure. And even, even bad, even bad things like I was taking beta blockers to go into meetings and I didn't want to take vacations in case I missed on an opportunity. So, you know, going from that world to coaching was just something that I just thought I need a, I need a new challenge and I, and I don't want to have all the kind of baggage that comes with it because in my, in my world at the moment, coaching, it's so, it's so rewarding that you go into an organization, you uncover some potential issues and opportunities, and then you help them through it without really, I don't know, without, without those pressures in place, really, that, that, that I was facing in the, in the sales world. Well, when you get a business going, I mean, as an entrepreneur, to me, there is a lot of pressure. <laughs> There's still a lot of pressure. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, maybe a disappointment or just a low point that you experienced as you were getting your business going? It's a really good point you make. And lots of people have said that to me that, hold on, Ian, you, you are in a, you know, six figure salary, um, in the corporate world. Nothing's a bother if you didn't. If you didn't make any money that month, you are still going to get your paycheck. And now you've started a company with a large mortgage, two kids from scratch, no, no existing client base. What were you doing? And you know, you're right. It, it is a pressure, but it's a different kind of pressure. It's your pressure. It's for me. Um, I can work whenever I want to work. So, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's a few hours ahead here in the UK, but I can work on an evening whilst, whilst my family is doing their activities and I can pick things back up again till midnight. So I'm kind of my own boss with its own little pressures and it's different pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, I often say to people, I've never kind of worked as hard. I've never earned as less, but I've never been as happy. If that makes sense. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so yeah. And, and you do face disappointments, you know, especially in the early days when you're trying to uncover what your business is going to do. Quite often you pivot. So I've pivoted my business a few times where I began to, I began to work with, with companies and I thought, right, I'm going to, I'm going to deliver a new website to them. I'm going to deliver a new branding. I'm going to do a social media marketing plan. And, and then you end up pivoting. You end up becoming a, a more of a coach and you help them in a culture point of view or a leadership point of view. So yeah, I've, I've pivoted quite a few times, but along the way, I have felt disappointment because I don't know about you, Malet, but I get a little bit let down by people that unfortunately know there's not, not everybody plays fair in this world, you know? Right. Um, and what I've found is even things like paying, you know, paying promptly, you know, we're, we're small businesses, we're, we're solopreneurs, you know, our listeners out there will, will be working for themselves and they maybe can't afford to go 30, 60, 90 days sometimes without being paid. And I just get a little bit disappointed when, when 
people that, that have small businesses don't understand that you're also a small business and, and they don't pay as promptly as, as they should. Mm-hmm. A couple of things that you've said that I want to hit on. The idea of the pressure is, you know, it's your own pressure. And that's different from being in corporate. But it's still pressure. I mean, there's still this idea that we can get we can still get burned out or we can at least become you know, really consumed with our work. So how do you find a balance between, like you said, working until midnight just because that's when it really works well for you and then balancing that with the self-care that we have to make sure that we get so we don't hit a wall? It's, a, it's an excellent question. And it's something that I don't think there's an answer to, Malette. I don't think there's that sort of silver bullet where you say, this is what you do. You have to switch off here. You don't take your phone there. You must have a vacation. I don't think you can put them things in place. I just think it's one of those things where you be mindful and you listen to yourself. So for instance, last week I took a vacation. Uh, my family, we went to um, the Lake District here, beautiful mountainous place in the UK. We had a week there. We did some walking, went on the lake, did some sailing. And I knew that that was my downtime and, and I had to put that in place. And do you know, you know what it is? I didn't think about work as much, mm-hmm. if, if at all, to be honest. I was too busy having fun with my family. Whilst I'm here, and I, and I work from home, so I'm in my home office here, and it's it, it's great. I love it. But sometimes I haven't got that separation from work and home, and I do know that that's a bit of an issue sometimes. So, yeah, it, it is there. I'm really mindful of it, and sometimes I don't feel present sometimes, actually. I can be in the... In, in the backyard with my family and we might be having a barbecue or something. And you probably know yourself and your listeners, well, your mind's all over, isn't it? You know, thinking right. about <laughs> different leads and different emails you must send and your social media plans. And, but this is, this is what it is. This is the, this is the world you choose. I mean, that is a hell of a lot better than being in Shanghai for two weeks or being sent to the Middle East at short notice, which was my world in the past. So yeah. This is a bit better. Well, something else that you said that I'd like to unpack just a little bit is you talked about when you got started, you made some pivots. So can you tell us a little bit about just that mindset of maybe not being so dead set on this is what my business has to look like, but being open to making shifts if they make sense? Definitely. I, I I do a lot of coaching around the business model of Canvas. I don't know if you've come across those at all. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a business plan is, I, I don't like business plans. I like visual business models and I feel that they, they can be very agile. So rather than write a, a 20 page business plan that sits in your bottom drawer and you never see again, and quite often it's only used to get money from the bank manager or to get a loan. That kind of business plan, that 20 page document is quite structured and it's quite firm. This is what I'm going to do from the outset. I always wanted to be very agile and just say, these are the things I may do. This is the business model that I may, I may work to and always keep pivoting and always keep that agile and always test. I do a lot of, um, I do a lot of surveys with my clients. I do a lot of what are your, what are your issues? What could I help with? And listen to them quite a lot. And when I hear that, when I hear those issues and when I hear those points that they, they would love help with, I just, I make, I make a service. So for instance, my client said that they were too busy to do social media. They didn't know how to do it. They didn't understand all the platforms. So then I say, right, pay me out. You can outsource that to me. Pay me, pay me a monthly fee and I'll run your Twitter feed, your Facebook feed, your Instagram, and I'll write your blog, blog article once a month. 
job done. So it's really about testing, asking surveys, seeing what your clients need, and then answering it, answering it with a product. Yeah, I love that because I think a lot of us really get into this mindset where we have an idea of what we want our business to look like. And then there may be opportunities right in front of us that we just don't even pay attention to because we're so focused on what we think we want out of our business. You're dead right. I see that in the software world all the time. So an, an analogy would be somebody who has a great idea for a software app. They've thought about the features and the benefits and how cool it will be and how the world will love it. And they're going to do an iOS version and an Android version. They're going to launch it in December and they do all that great work and it launches and nobody wants it Mm. because they haven't gone out to the market and tested it. They haven't done that minimal viable product. They might have done the landing page on a website and tried to capture some email addresses and, you know, would you like this product? So yeah, you've got to, you've got to keep super agile or you'll waste a lot of time being wedded to a nice romantic idea that, that you think's cool, but the marketplace doesn't. So you talked about testing and you talked about that one way to test was to give your customers or potential clients surveys. Is that the best way that you found to come up with ideas for products or services that your potential clients might want? Or are there other ways that coaches could bring that idea of testing into their business? It's a really good question. And again, I don't think there's a one size fits all. For me, it was all about just having those relationships. So mm-hmm. if you go networking and you go to a monthly event, for instance, um, make sure you meet new people, have a chat. Quite often, I, I, I'm quite niche or, or niche, as you guys might say. <laughs> so I, I'll attend, let's say, a manufacturing event or a software event because a lot of my um, clients are engineering tech. And I'll, I'll go and visit and I'll, you know, maybe hook up with somebody, have a coffee and just say, you know, what are your biggest issues right now? What kind of things are you going through? So I'm listening all the time. I'm getting out the building. I'm meeting people and I'm just learning from them. So I don't, it's not very structured, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. but I feel network. And I mean, you've heard the phrase, you know, your network is your net worth. Right. You've got to use it. And, and I feel speaking to people, I shape a lot of products around what they need. Mm. Yeah, that's a great idea. We've been talking a little bit about, you know, just practical stuff. Can you tell us about a point in your business where you felt like you were getting that momentum? I mean, we've kind of gone through shifting from corporate over to being an entrepreneur, but at what point did you really feel like this entrepreneur thing is going to work for me? This is really starting to take hold. Yeah, you know, it's funny from the outset, I didn't I didn't say or I didn't tell myself and I certainly didn't tell my wife that I'd be making money on month one (laughs) Mm -hmm. or month three or month six. I I, I really didn't put that pressure. I was fortunate enough to be in a space where I could take a good few months out Mm -hmm. and not think I need to make money. Um, So, yeah, so I I didn't sort of think, right, if I don't make money by month three, I'm going to call it a day and I'm going to kill it. I really did put, I think I put seven months in place before, before I started to make money. And I didn't go aggressive. I just built slowly. So people might say seven months without a paycheck. Wow, you're mad. I, I, I did that quite deliberate. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I probably could have went out there month three and, and sold something. I did some service, but you know what it is? It would have been something that I didn't want to do just to make money. It might have been something that I might have done in a former life. And that's why I got out of that. Right. So I didn't put myself under that pressure initially. Um, and I just planned 
quite 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 structured. What I'm trying to say is after month seven and month eight, I could see the leads were coming in. I was starting mm-hmm. to turn over those. So a simple spreadsheet, January to December, you know, by the time August comes in, I, I see I've got money coming in there and then September and then October. And once I saw those months being populated on the spreadsheet with figures, you know, four figures as well. Once I started seeing those pop in, I thought, yeah, okay, you can pay yourself now. You can pay yourself till December. So it was a pretty simple process for me. You know, I, I just mm-hmm. knew that I had six months money in the bank there that I could pay myself a wage for. And I felt once I'd hit six months, I could, I could come off, I could relax a little bit with the anxiety, <laughs> right. but not with the momentum. So I mm-hmm. still wanted the drive to do more, but I, but the mortgage anxiety seemed to leave me a bit. <laughs> right. So what did you do in those seven months? What, what was that first period of time in your business, what were you building at that point? What did you focus on? I was focusing and I was building nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I really had to give myself time out. I'd I'd really burnt out big style. I'd been in a a couple of real not nice places personally and not good places from a business point of view. And I knew I just needed a couple of months out to do nothing and just put things into perspective of where I wanted to get my life. And after maybe two or three months, then I felt that itch and it was really exciting, like really exciting. You know, I'd I'd be dying to get up in the morning and do stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was just papers and web pages and scribbles and whiteboards. It was crazy. There was stuff everywhere trying to plan out what I wanted to do and how I'd do it and how I would target certain um, niches. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so the, I guess two or three months of just chilling out, getting my head in order, and then three months really doubling down and, and getting a great strategy in place. So by month six and seven, I had a, I had jobs to do. I had projects there and I was ready to go. What would you say has been maybe a favorite achievement so far since you've been in business? In my whole business life, I guess um, I sold software in Shanghai, which is a bit like selling ice to Eskimos. So <laughs> that, that was pretty exciting stuff. Um, but in my coaching role, I'm really pleased and I'm really excited about a project that I'm working with at the moment. And it's with the largest industrial manufacturing company in Europe. Mm-hmm. So that that is a... That is a real coup for me in terms of having that brand and that badge on my, um, on my portfolio, if you like. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really super pleased about that. And I think, I think a lot of times us coaches can get a little bit of imposter syndrome. Right. So, you know, you, you, you're going into a, a prospective project, you're meeting with a team and, you know, sometimes you get that anxiety where you think, Ooh, what if they don't like what I'm doing? What if I can't do it? What if they say yes? And then I've got to deliver and I kind of do that. And you just got to pull your game face on and, and just, you know, knuckle down and just kick that imposter out and get on. So, you know, win, winning that project with, with that large engineering company really sort of hit home that yes, you can do it. And I have been delivering things for them and it's been going well. But I think as a, I think as a coach, sometimes on your own, you're going to get that imposter syndrome creeping in and it's, it's up to us to kick it out. You know, I had a look around your website and just browsing through. I mean, you, you have a lot of services that you offer. You blog consistently. You're doing a podcast. You're doing a lot. What are you? creating next in your business? What's the future look like? (laughs) Is there room for anything else? (laughs) 
Well, do you know, just taking a quick look around for probably 20 minutes, you've just thought, my God, who is this guy? It's because my head is like a Twitter feed. I've just got so much going on and that's why I need to run my let. If I don't run, honestly, seriously, if I don't run, I just go crazy. I need to get get the device out of my hand and just go and run and just try and sort this stuff out. So... The next projects are probably going to be do a lot more speaking. So I've been asked to do some certain um, speaking gigs and um, that's pretty exciting. So I'll be doing that. Podcasting is something we both love mm-hmm. and I get a lot out of that. And, and thanks for the opportunity to speak to you today. You, you guys are doing some great stuff with your with your show. So yeah, I, I'm just enjoying myself. Mala. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go where life takes me. How's that? That sounds like a great plan. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I want to shift the conversation a little bit to business. What's working in business? Now, one thing that coaches love to talk about is how to make money. And in coaching, there are just so many different things that people can do, whether it's one-on-one clients to someone who has a business with employees, and there's a lot of different moving parts. So can you tell us, how are you generating revenue in your business? What does your business look like as far as the ways the money comes in? It's really interesting where you mentioned that people might want a business of moving parts because it's something that I've been thinking about, you know, should you have, um, should the coaching be something that you really push and, and offer, you know, 90% of your time to, or should it be 50% and the other 50% be in the sales and marketing activities that my company do at the moment. So I'm, I'm in that stage at the moment, actually where I'm thinking, which, which do I, which do I push? So at the moment, um, my revenue comes from, social media management that I mentioned earlier. Um, we do websites and uh, branding. Um, it's interesting from a coaching point of view because you meet them and you quickly uncover that there's a need for a new brand there. Mm-hmm. And you quickly uncover that the website's a bit dated and they don't have any messaging there. The marketing collateral is not very good. Uh, they don't have any case studies. They don't write any blogs. So quickly, what I do from my business is I gobble up all those nice things and I say, rather than use separate partners and be very fragmented, sales and marketing go hand in glove for me and I need mm-hmm. your sales team with a kit bag full of marketing um, collateral. So let me take all that from you and let's build an overarching sales plan and a marketing strategy and take it forward. So I think the beauty of Far North and why I started it was to have a kind of a single source of truth, you know, a one trusted partner where I could do all those activities for them. So for me, I'm picking up all that, all those activities, but what I'm really passionate about is the delivering of training that I do. So I do some sales coaching, I do some um, social media coaching, and then I also do a business growth day where we get delegates in and we do lots of exercises and lots of, um, lots of, dragging things out sometimes quite motivational and uh those days are great for me i, I really love them um the interesting part you said about the moving parts of a company i think when you deliver a course or you deliver training for one day you walk in you you blow their minds and then you walk out and you leave a legacy from delivering something like a project it's i'm not you, you're going to get calls like my emails aren't working 
where's that landing page you promised me? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's one of those ones where do you go down that agency route and build that up with all those problems? Or do you push down the coaching route, walk in, say some cool stuff and walk away? <laughs> What's easiest? Definitely. So what would you say is your favorite strategy right now for bringing brand new clients into your business? Well, I love social. I just love the relationships. And at the top of the Mm -hmm. show, you mentioned social evangelism, and I'm just a big advocate for it. I always say to my um, clients that you just got to get out there. You you guys over in the States often use the no like and trust factor statement, and it's so true. You know, before we buy anything, we're going to do our homework on them. Before you employ anybody, you're going to research them on Facebook. Before you go on a date, you're going to go on Twitter and see who they were out with last week. You know, (laughs) everybody is going to do their homework. So when I say to clients, if you want somebody to buy from them and they've got nothing for them to, you've got none of these platforms with any, any good content on there. People aren't going to know you like you or trust you. So for me, it's all about content. You, you mentioned my blog where, where I write, you know, write some frequent articles on there and, I just love writing content. I love sharing. I love relationships. And I think if you forget about selling and just have relationships, the sales will just take care of itself. What's your favorite social media platform these days? Do you know, I'm a big fan of Twitter. Um, uh-huh. I just love how quick it is. I love how on, you know, for the news, it's just on point straight away. Then the news is coming through. Um, Facebook over here in the UK, interestingly enough, is widely used personally, but not really for business as much. Mm-hmm. So when I look at some of your um, Facebook pages over there in the States, I know there's, there's lots of likes there. There's hundreds and thousands of people loving these pages. And over in the UK, if you have a few hundred likes, you're, you're kind of laughing here on from a business <laughs> page. So, so yeah, I do love Twitter. And I think LinkedIn is the number one B2B platform now. Mm-hmm. Um You've just got to be there. You've got to be there and you've got to be writing some good content. I'd say use the Pulse articles, you know, um, and repurpose your content. If you've got a blog, a nice blog article that you've written on your website, repurpose it, post it on, post it on Pulse on LinkedIn uh, and get some conversations going that way and just become that, that person, that influencer in your particular niche. So do you try to, or would your suggestion be to pick one platform and master it? Or do you like the idea of repurposing the content so you can kind of, you know, spread things out over a lot of different platforms Ah, or combination? That's a fantastic (laughs) question. I love that question. Um, I always say, Pick a few and do it really well. Don't spread yourself too thin. You know, don't try and get on Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and all these good things. Pick a few, do them well. Um, you just don't have time to do them all correctly. And so, yeah, I just, I just pick like two or three and I, and I really work at it. Um, it, it don't get us, don't get us wrong. I do think and I do look over my shoulder and think, hmm, I should be doing a bit more on Instagram here. I should be doing a bit more on Snapchat here, but nah, pick two or three and smash it. So I don't know very much about Twitter. So tell me something that I need to know about Twitter as far as using that for my coaching business. How How is the best way to to integrate Twitter into some of the things that I'm doing? So hashtags, big fan of hashtags. So mm-hmm. If, for instance, somebody was in your region, so where are you, Millette? I'm in Tennessee. Tennessee, beautiful Tennessee. Okay. 
I'm on Twitter and I've just posted something, something like, I've just started a new business uh, and I'd love a business coach. I'm really feeling a bit lonely here. What should I do? Question mark, hashtag Tennessee. You can, you can search on business coach. You can search it in a radius of Tennessee and you can then, then you can read back all those different uh, results. And there could, there could be five, six, seven people looking for a new website in Tennessee or, mm-hmm. or, or, or whatever. So those search results are quite powerful. So do you suggest not obviously not just posting your content on Twitter, but also using it as a mechanism for finding potential people to connect with? Definitely. I mean, a term we're hearing much more now is social listening. So mm-hmm. a lot of that is going on. So, you know, if you have your, I don't know, Google alerts and things that I'd set up where you can listen to, to certain keywords that are happening across there. But yeah, you said something really good there, which, which was about listening because a lot of social media now is very much broadcasting and there's just too much content out there. You've got to listen. And I often say this on LinkedIn as well. People say, I don't get how LinkedIn works. You know, I've had, I posted something. I had, I don't know, 10,000 impressions and two likes and one comment. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because you're not commenting on, on other people's stuff. It's really simple to be engaging. You've just got to, you've just got to engage. You know, you've, you've got to share. You've got to put, it's like karma, isn't it? It's good karma. You know, if you want people to comment and like and share your stuff, you've got to do the same. So it's about the, get those relationships. Don't have a multitude of followers, you know, get some good quality followers in there and build up your network. So how do you put that into your business day? Do you actually set aside time to get on social media or have you just gotten yourself to the point where you just hop on here and there or, or are you strategic about when you do it and how you do it? <laughs> now, I'm going to say, yes, yes, Mala, I'm so strategic. I put down 30 minutes in the in the morning, 30 minutes in the afternoon, 30 minutes in the nah, man, I'm not. I am quite, I am quite responsive. Um, but I, I, I do, I, I do say this to clients. If you want, if you have a social media plan, you must have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, okay? And Saturday and Sunday, but we'll get on that later on. Have them lined up, know exactly what you're going to post across those um, days and what times. The reason I say that is because you might post a funny GIF on a Friday and it might get a lot of, a lot of, a lot of response, a lot of interaction. You might post a nice blog article on a Wednesday morning and you might do, I don't know, uh, a picture of yourself on Monday with a little motivational quote on. Now, what I say to clients is switch these around, keep this going. So that gift that you posted on Friday, try it on Monday morning. The Monday morning motivational thing, try it on a Tuesday afternoon. And after a week or so, you'll know what things work best on what days. And then you just, it's just rinse and repeat. Now, how much of this is business and how much is more like letting people peek into your personal life, if you will? Hmm, that's a good question. So, you know, we, we mentioned that no like and trust factor, and I'm, I'm a big fan. I, well, I wear my heart on my sleeve, Millet. You know, every, I just tell it how it is. And I think people like that. I think people like that about coaches where, mm-hmm. um, they don't, you've got to be humble in this game. You know, you, you've just got to, you've got to listen a lot, be very humble, not be a, a know it all. 
Um, and I, I love to post pictures. I mean, I posted pictures on Twitter last week when I was, I was r- driving a boat a bit like, um, Miami Vice back in the day, you know, <laughs> and, and just da- daft things like that, you know. So yeah, it's, it's a bit of both. You've, you've got to humanize your brand. Yeah, that's good. Definitely. And I know that uh, some people just strictly stick with business because that feels, I don't know, that's something that you can do easily. You know, you're in business, you can post your business stuff, and then people get a little bit nervous maybe about what should I post? How much should I post? How deep should I let people into my life? And and I guess you just really have to uh, to test it out and see. You've just got to put your head above the parapet, really. You're going to get haters. You know, haters going to hate. You just ignore them. It's like, 0.5% out of 100 right. will, will, will say something silly. They're just trolls, the keyboard warriors. You just ignore them. You, you, you cannot live your life worrying about what someone's going to say or, or feel or do. You just have to do it. And you know what it is? It gets so easy after a while. Um, to, I mean, look what you're doing now, Millette, with this podcast. You're doing some great stuff out there. And, and what if someone says, who does Millette think she is with all these followers and all these download stats and this and you? You're not bothered. Right. You know, who's bothered about that? Just get out there, get your life down there. You know, people say Monday to Friday, I'm, I'm going to wear a three piece suit and I'm, I'm just going to only post business stuff. We want to see you on a Saturday at, at the ball game or whatever with a big hot dog and a beer in your hand and just, <laughs> you know, be you as no one else you can be. Just be you. Right. That's good. Now that you've built up a successful business, I would love to know what sort of advice would you have for someone who's just getting started? What would be the very first thing that someone should do if they want to build a successful coaching business? Or is there anything that you wish you had done first? Wow. That's a good question because. If you remember, I took a, I took a couple of months to let this sit and crystallize in my mind what I wanted to do. And, and I think right. that I always look back on that being the most important thing that I did. And I did like, I did some menial things around the house. So I was kind of mowing lawns and cutting back hedges. And I was, I was in the attic sorting through old stuff. And you know, while you're doing that, you're thinking it's mm-hmm. thinking time. And I did a lot of thinking. So I'd always say to somebody, don't dive head first in don't create this 10 page website and pay thousands of dollars for somebody because it's going to be wrong you're not going to use it it's you're going to pivot in three months time so just cool cool your jets do do a little bit of work and just let things pan out because the will change you will pivot This has been so good, Ian. I've learned so much from you in the time that we've had together. And I'd like to finish up now with the final five rapid fire questions. So what is one habit or skill that's helped you become unstoppable? You, I mentioned it, humble. And I I think you have to have that. You've got to be, you've got to have integrity. You know, I won't sell anything I don't believe in. I won't advise anything I haven't tried before. And I wouldn't squeeze silly rates out of clients. So just have Mm -hmm. integrity. What's one quality that you feel every successful coach needs to develop? I mentioned being humble. So yes, you you do need to be humble. And um, I I guess it's a a fine line between selling yourself and then not coming across as a know-it-all. So you've just got to work at that bit. So be humble. Recommend one book that's had a big impact either on your business or on your life. Do you know, Millet, I'm so bad when people ask me about books because I don't read. <laughs> I, I see, I'm serious. I, I do not read. I, my learning style is very much things like what you're doing, Millet, with a podcast. And my lifestyle doesn't really fit into reading. So 
if I had to answer that, I'd probably say books that I love are Jack Kerouac's On the Road, just because of the free and easy lifestyle in the beat generation traveling across the States. And also another travel book um, by Gregory David Roberts called Shantaram. And it was about a convicted bank robber who escapes from Australia to India and experiences the divide, the diversity of, of Mumbai. So I love travel and adventure. So a book for me is an escape. It's not a learning tool. Cool. Well, what podcast are you listening to right now? I'm listening to Unstoppable Coaches. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know what? My um, podcast, I'm just bringing it up as, a, as, a, as I speak. I've got quite a lot. I listen to Gary Vee. Gary Vee's pretty cool. He's a bit full on though. Um, Start With Why podcast. Uh-huh. Um, Brian Fanzo. I like, I like Brian. He's got some good stuff going on. Um, and I listen to a lot of things where I can kind of switch off. So things that I'm interested in from a hobby point of view. So soccer teams and that kind of stuff. So I've got about 10 on, on my iTunes here that I'm subscribed to. Give us one online resource that you think coaches would love to use in their business and that you couldn't do business without. Ooh, I'm going to cheat here because I can't do without it, but I'm going to, I'm going to talk a little bit about, I use Canva. Okay. Probably uh-huh. a, lot of people, a lot of people use Canva to produce some nice graphics and maybe a little bit of motivational text over the top and share it. But I've recently discovered Lumen 5. So basically you can create video content from your blog articles. Hmm. So essentially it reads your blog. So you put your URL in and it then overlays the text on moving pictures with a kind of cool soundtrack and you can edit it. So it's a really quick way of creating like a one minute video from a blog that you've written. Oh, interesting. I haven't heard of that. Lumen 5. Finally, how can the listeners best connect with you? What social platforms? I think you said Twitter and LinkedIn. Are you on anything else? And and give us your website too. Oh, great. Thanks very much. Yeah, I am on Twitter. So it's Ian underscore Farrah. I'm also on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. My website is far-north.com. But of course, I've got a podcast, which is industryangel.com as well. Nice. I will be sure to get all of those links and all of the recommendations onto the show notes page. And this has been such a good conversation. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for um, the opportunity to speak to the, the, the beautiful listeners. Thanks for joining us on the Unstoppable Coach podcast. Be sure to head over to the website at unstoppablecoach.co where you can grab the show notes and check out all the resources and the links to the guest website and social sites. And be sure you join us every weekday when I interview another successful coach and we learn their secrets to building an unstoppable coaching business.